0: Welcome to Bleeding Blue, episode number whatever. The Yankees, since our last episode, have won four out of their last five games. Sweeping the Blue Jays, which was the best of times, and splitting a two-game set against the Marlins, which was not as fun. There was a lot to break down, argue, debate, overanalyze, cry about. And a lot, we honestly just need to wait and see and how things play out. But without further ado...
1: Let's bleed blue.
0: We are back. Renato is here. How are you, Renato? And give me an answer that's non-baseball related. Uh, I'm, I'm doing okay. Doing
2: swell, you know. Um, the end of the week is almost here. Works in the air. Um, it's going to get nice and hot for next week. So,
0: But what a day to walk around Jersey City.
2: Oh, it's I, I walked around Jersey City today. I, I Myself and the Browning
0: Center gang. Um shout out to them obviously. We went we went down to the to the to the waterfront today. Now Michael Boker will not be joining us today, but he's here he is here in spirit. Ooh. Did you just boo Michael Boker? <laughs> yeah, because he's not he's here. another year. No, he's not well I'll tell you what, Boker's a lot better than us because he's at the gym right now. So he's he's a lot uh. he's a lot better than us all of us just got done eating dinner and we got it slobbed our face with whatever we ate. I had pork and like oh, pane vaca and I'm like pasta. Oh, it was great.
2: Pasta and, um,
0: and meat. Pasta and meat. Brett, what did you have for dinner? Oh, I gave it away. Brett
3: Wiley. Come on, man. It needed to Come be. On, in man. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was the, being quiet just for that. For the
0: Come first on, time, man. for the first time in a while. I kept on calling Drew Casey, Brett. I don't don't know if you heard that, but. um, I did. Okay, so shameless. Here's another shameless plug, because the podcast, this episode is still prevalent and relevant today. Go listen to our interview, Bleeding Blue, Renato and I did, with Drew Casey, who's the on-camera host of the New York Yankees pregame show, and he's also a reporter for the Yankees. He goes down there and he. Does interview with, with the players, blah blah blah. We tell all about him on that episode. It's a fantastic episode. Go listen to great, it. Great interview. Great interview. Great times. Great stories. But Brett, I kept on calling him
3: Yeah. Brett. Yeah. <laughs> he did it I twice. Guess, I mean, what, what are you what did he say? I don't want to spoil that podcast too much. How do you respond to that?
2: What did he say? He uh, actually he
3: took a nonchalant. So, yeah. But to answer your question from a little earlier, I had an omelet and a bagel with cream cheese. Oh, for dinner. Breakfast for dinner. Wow. Interesting. Now we do that all the time here. We have French toast for dinner all the time. Really? Yeah, it's a little weird thing we do in the village shires. Village Shires. I refer to it as the village for now. I just wanted to identify the location.
0: Now, Brett, tell us like where you've been. You've been like all, I feel like you've been all over the world, even though that's probably not factually
3: true. But tell well, us like, world, where you've if the been. The world was made out of three national parks. I would have been all over the world. I have been to Glacier, firstly, Glacier National Park, over in near Kalispell, Montana. A lot of you probably know that. Just clearing that up. And then after that, after about five days there of hiking and camping and you know seeing the haze. Uh, In the beautiful scenery, obviously, went all the way down to Jackson Hole, beautiful Jackson Hole, and went to Grand Tetons and and uh, sorry, not Yosemite, Yellowstone. (laughs) Yellowstone. We went to Yellowstone after that, only for one day though, only for one day, and that was unfortunate because Yellowstone is probably the most beautiful place that I've seen. It's amazing.
0: So after seeing the movie 2012, have you ever seen that movie?
3: I have seen that.
0: After seeing the movie 2012 and I don't even know if like that's like any kind of like factual like relevance or factual truth is to that, but Yellowstone Fair. can just blow up at any time?
3: No, it's not true at all. That's that's all. It's really fun to watch, but none of that could Well, some of that could happen. Of course, Yellowstone will eventually erupt. But there are certain parts of that movie that are pure science fiction. But hey, we love that stuff anyway.
0: Yeah, I can't, I can't go to Yellowstone because I can't, I can't be on like top of a mountain and then seeing another mountain start to come up and pop like a pimple on a teenager's face. I'm, I'm not sure just, that
3: that's cool. how it would look. Just from being there now, the the looks that you get from the movie, they clearly filmed that somewhere that wasn't Yellowstone because. I do not recall. I was looking for those views. Trust me. I, I, I had that movie in mind, but I did not see those same views. Where, where I did go, though, was into the caldera. Obviously, there, they show it on the map there, the outline of where the caldera is rel, uh, relative to where all the other sites are. and You go into a big caldera, and you, you go in the rim there, and it's, it's, it's just like being inside a volcano, but a massive one that you can't see.
0: So here's an idea for a new podcast. It's a, uh, it's talking or no, not talking. It's um, it's bleeding national parks, and <laughs> it's just Renato and Brett. Renato can like talk about the weather. Brett can talk about like rocks and stuff. And then it's just me reacting to it, being like, "Oh, that's like fun." Well, yeah, that's
3: a great idea because my sister is actually the rock expert. She's a geology major. I didn't study that, but she is the expert. We maybe maybe get something done there.
0: And then you can get like rudimentary. I'm like five years old, being like, "Oh, it's like from like that movie, and it's it looks <laughs> like pim- looks like a pimple popping." And
3: <laughs> yeah, the the uh, surface level analysis, the the All very right. surface level.
0: All right. So, what a first five minutes! I've given you the uh, the imagery of a volcano um, erupting as a teenager popping pimples. Okay. Welcome. So, if you're a first time listener, <laughs> welcome. This is a podcast about the Yankees. And sometimes, and sometimes it's a podcast about the New York football Giants. Once the season really gets underway, we're really going to be releasing and knocking out those Giants podcasts once a week. Preseason football is just really boring and football is boring right now. I don't care what anybody says, but people like to talk about football. So I do kind of feel bad that I haven't gotten a Giants episode out there. Whatever. We are on SoundCloud, Bleeding Blue, trying to get on iTunes. You can follow me on Twitter at jpenix 74 let me know what you think of the podcast on Twitter. I would love to hear everybody's reactions. My name is Justin. I'm a Yankee fan. I'm a Giant fan. I'm from Jersey, but I'm about to be, once again, for the third year in a row, a transplant Yankee and Giant fan. I'm usually in Philly when I go to school, but this fall I'll be in D.C. for an internship. So that's going to be interesting, and I'll be further as home from home as usual. Renato, tell us a little bit about yourself and your fandom and your life.
2: Maybe about my life.
0: Anything. Introduce yourself for a first-time listener if they don't know you. Well, everybody knows me, Justin. (laughs) Everyone knows you. First-time listener, they just just know you. (laughs) Not as famous. You didn't know that? He's an internet sensation.
2: (laughs) On DC. I was just about to say that. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, Brad and I uh, and a couple of other guys. We have this uh, Facebook page called DC Boston Metro Weather, because as as just mentioned, we are both meteorologists. Um, I I mainly now work at my former high school, which which Justin also went to as well, Prep for Life. Um, and I work in the Browning Center, which is the most awesomest gig ever. Justin, could that, right, Justin?
0: Absolutely. What's your fandom?
2: What do you mean by fandom? Give me the teams. Obviously the Yankees, The The J E T S. Just Juts Juds.
3: Mets, Mets, Mets. Oh. No, no, no,
2: no Mets. No mets. <laughs> um The new Jersey
3: Devils. Wait, Justin, do you like hockey?
2: No. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and who else do I like?
0: It. Soccer. You're a big soccer guy.
2: Oh, yeah. SOB! SOB! What do you Yes. SOB Benfica, Portugal, Because I'm Portuguese. For so. like you Portuguese people out there, for some Benfica. Is that mm-hmm. it, Oh,
3: well, That's
2: pretty much it.
3: Well, first of all, I would like to start out introducing myself. My name is Brett Wiley, and I'm a huge Philadelphia Union fan. (laughs) I'm sorry, I had to do that. I was just thinking of what I would say, but I'm like, what's the most off-the-wall thing I could say? Anyway.
2: Imagine if Benfica played against the Union.
3: (laughs) Yeah, you'd kill kill, uh, the Union, but... (laughs) What? They're probably. Yeah. Well maybe not. I mean the Portuguese League isn't that different than MLS. I mean Woo! You're right. <laughs> MLS is catching up. It's catching up. Anyway. I'm uh also obviously I work with Renato, DC to Boston. Plug that once again. Just for DC you. DC to remember. Boston. And I'm not a Yankees fan. What? I'm a little different here. You I'm the black sheep on the podcast. I'm a Phillies and Orioles fan in baseball. I'm a Philadelphia Eagles fan for football. And I also like the Philadelphia Flyers and the 76ers. I like all sports, to be honest, uh, that we play here in major sports leagues in, in the United States. Uh, yeah, that's me. I am... I, I, um, Currently work at the Department of Environmental Protection in New Jersey.
0: That's secret stuff. Not a lot of people. You're not allowed to tell where you work. That sounds like really important.
3: Well, it, it is important, but but it's not a secret. I'm I, I'm not part of like the CIA or anything.
0: No, you're part of the feds.
3: <laughs> but uh, but yeah, that's me there. And and again, I'm I'm different here. I'm different. providing the outsider's perspective on this podcast. You you
2: you're totally different, bro.
3: I am I, I've always I've always thought that.
0: So Brett's that's... the Brett's the non-biased uh source of information and opinions of bleeding blue.
3: Yeah. It, let's go with that. I
0: like that. All right, so we typically do Renato's top 5 moments of the week when whenever we don't have like a really sad episode. This <laughs> yeah. this this like Like last week with the Rays series, it was like emergency, red sirens, we need to just vent and talk about everything. Um, But we will do Renato's top five moments of the week because this is kind of like in the middle of a red siren episode and a normal kind of regular episode. I mean, the Yankees have won four of their last five games and that's good, but there's still other things to address. So I kind of like this. Like Quentin Tarantino. i we're just gonna Tarantino this this John. <laughs> we're gonna Tarantino this John again. Oh, and blood and guts. Our way, we're gonna work our way backwards.
3: Oh. Oh, okay. I thought I thought we were gonna get all buddy on here. Who? Well you said you said Quentin Tarantino, so I thought we'd be it'd be all blood and guts.
0: Oh no, 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 not that. No, just like <laughs> plot just like plot wise.
3: Oh,
1: okay.
0: So I wanna have this conversation to start off. And it may take us a while to get through the last three episodes. And this is going back to our interview with Drew Casey. We've analyzed the Yankees. What I guess we've been calling the Yankees big picture approach. I used the word conservative during the Drew. I asked, I asked him about this. Like, what do you think of this? I use the word conservative approach of the New York Yankees of resting their players, not bringing in guys out of the bullpen, Waving the white flag on baseball games. I use the word conservative to the kind of like describe that whole philosophy that the Yankees have had pretty much this entire year, especially when guys have gone down with other injuries. And he said conservative might be a wrong word, but you want to know what? No. I'm and I've apologized for using that word conservative, but I I'm like, no, I am not a, I am now no longer apologizing for that word conservative because. With Aaron Boone's quote after the game last night, basically saying, now, before we get into this, Renato, before we get into that Aaron Boone quote, just know that it's coming. What, like I said, Quentin Tarantino, we're going to work our way backwards from this. What was, what happened in yesterday's game? Summarize it for us. Okay. So the Yankees were up two to nothing. All right, we, we we're playing. You know, we couldn't get some hits, but but you know, we we, we produced, right? You know, when we're feeling good, we got the wave of masculinity. Lance Lynn on the mound, we we got we got walked this way near walking through RBI's, going in, in, into the sixth inning. You know, everything, everything feels like business is normal, All
2: right? But what was his pitch count? Do you remember? It, it was, was about up. ninety pitches entering the sixth inning. It was up there, so. Okay, fine. They, they score one run, right? Austin Dean, RBI single, and little infield dribbler, right? And you're thinking, okay, let, let, let's take this guy out. Yeah. I and mean, you you at that point he was at, at hundred pitches, I remember that correctly. And I'm like, so let's let's bring somebody up. But you know what's a sad part, Justin? What? Nobody was warming up in the bullpen. Warming... Come on, man. Boon. Like, get somebody warmed up. Somebody's... you know what happened today in the ball game? No, It was 7 nothing, and they were warming up Kimball, just in case.
1: Yeah. Because
2: right? the Sox know, okay? They know how to take care of victories. They need to use Kimball, but they have them up just in case. Have a body. Have, have, have Kaney. Have somebody up in that situation. But no, he leaves Lanson in, in, and what does he do next batter? Home run. Bang! Home run 4-2.
0: Alright, so you think that the Yankees mishandled that situation with Lancelin. One hundred
2: and twenty five percent.
0: Which I'm not on that boat. But then what happened later on in the game? So Lancelin comes out. Tommy I'm on, King, listen,
2: I'm on that boat. I'm sorry. This, this is a the Yankees needed this victory. They need as many victories as they can get until they clinch, first of all. Right. Clinch. They haven't clinched anything yet.
0: Right. 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 So no, we'll 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 circle we'll circle back to that. I just want to get like the summary of the game out of the way. So Tommy Cainley comes in, he allows another run and then we score a run right back. So it's still what it's a three-run ball game. It's a, it's a it's still it kind of feels like it's still a winnable ball game if Dude. we just come back and it's the Marlins too. Right. What do the Yankees do? Who do we see warm up in the bullpen? They're warming up
2: Chance Adams. Wasn't pitching the bullpen since college, like Boone. Hello, like you tell you, that, that that's like bringing AJ Cole in a one run game. Like you just giving up the game at that point. Like like he loves giving up games.
0: So here's Aaron Boone's quote: "It was a two run ball game. I remember correctly. It was a, it was a two run ball game." Aaron Boone's quote: "If it was a one run ball game or a tie game, or obviously if they're winning." If it was a one-run ball game, they would have warmed up Chad Green. And therefore, the chain of bullpen guys would be Chad Green, Zach Britton, Dylan Patances. Or Chad Green, Dylan Patances, eighth inning, Zach Britton, ninth inning, or whatever. Or you ask one of those guys to pitch two innings, which Chad Green can do, even though I've called for Chad Green not to pitch two innings. He can do it. Ever since he's developed his off-speed stuff, he's looked really good. And then you also have A.J. Cole available, la-da-da-da-do, la da da And you had Chance Adams available. So let's just say you tie the game. I'm fine if in extra innings, because you just have no other arms left, if you just bring in A.J. Cole or Chance Adams and say, just pitch until the game's over, then you want to know what? You tried your best. You put your best foot forward. But they clearly and obviously didn't do that. And the reasoning behind doing that is what really, really got me and this is going to be kind of this this is kind of like the start of this kind of conversation that we're going to have so like this is like a one game that has been like what do you, what do you call them? a microcosm is that a real word a microcosm yeah. of like a much larger i don't even know if it's like a problem but it's just like to me to me it's a big problem yeah and you can really yeah. argue if it is a problem so i guess we'll we'll do it but you you know what what else what else about that that last game like, really, really got you, besides also, you know, having all those guys available. And then today's an off day. We're recording on an off day. So,
2: I mean, that you had two off days. Damn, we had all day Monday, off day Thursday. I get it. Chapman's not available. He's in disabled right? But you tell him you can't get it any out of everybody else in that bullpen? Come on.
0: Robertson was available if, like, if it was like an absolute emergency. So you even had David Robertson oh. available, kind Anything?
2: of. You me to be at all the other guys in the bullpen. Come on, break.
0: So, like, all right. So I
1: here,
2: hate, yeah, I hate doing punt games like this. Actually, I just say I hate it.
0: So we're going to be talking about the punting. Um, so here's a fan's perspective. Here, this is this is going to get a little little. I don't know. if It's not going to get wild. Hopefully not wild. But here's my rant, and here's my perspective. Fans, they spend money on cable. Cable TV. How much money do you spend to have the Yankees or Brett? If now Brett lives in the Pennsylvania area, so he may get the Phillies games. He may. I don't know if he gets Orioles game. Brett, do you have to? Do you have to like pay extra? Or do you have to pay something to get like Orioles games if you want to watch an Oriole game?
3: Yeah, yeah, I would. I mean, I don't. I've, I've, I've actually when the Orioles were good a couple years ago, I did pay for MLB.tv for uh i think a season ish Um, that's 100 bucks yeah well i paid for it on my phone which i think is the same amount so but yeah i i only get phillies games i don't get yankees the nice thing is actually if you lived in like the trenton area you get yankees and phillies which would be neat so you're paying for cable Cable TV is a lot of money. You're paying
0: for MLB at bat, which I'm probably going to be doing when I go to DC since I'm going to be out of market.
3: I pay for for, that too, by the way. I, I just pay for the, uh, the highlights and the no ads and the play by play and stuff like that. You know, the game cast. You're paying for tickets. You're paying for
0: train tickets. And that doesn't even begin In my opinion, you know what you kind of pay out of pocket that doesn't even begin to put into the emotional investment that every single fan, every single good baseball fan puts into every single game. The great thing about baseball is that there's another game tomorrow. Game happens, you feel really good the next day, you could feel like you're at the bottom of the barrel. There's 50 feet of crap money ball. There's 50 feet of crap and then there's us. And then the next day you can feel like you're the best team on the planet. That's baseball. And I that's why that's one of the reasons why I love the sport. Football, you have to live with the miserable feeling all week or football it kind of puts you on a boost for the whole week. That's part of why I like football. Baseball, not the case. I've been to 17 Yankee games this summer. I am 10 and 7 on the on the summer. I feel like the Yankees have lost a total of seven games at home this year, and I've been to all seven. Neither here nor there. Neither here nor there. After the second game against the Marlins, after the second game on Wednesday, Wednesday night, Aaron Boone and Yankees management, they showed their hand. With that quote, if it's a one-run ball game, then we'll try our best to win the game. Then we will throw our best guys out there to try and win the game. Two run ball game? Nope. Three run ball game? Nope. Pack it in. Wave the white flag. Has anybody ever seen the movie Dumbo? I
3: don't think I have, actually. that's pretty. Yeah, I've seen Dumbo.
0: You've seen Dumbo? Okay. So, what I want everyone that's listening and everyone to do Google Dumbo waving the white flag. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen that. I've seen that. So there's this scene in Dumbo where something, something is crashed on top of Dumbo. Like there's some sort of crash. And then you see Dumbo like crawling amongst the wreck or whatever uh, damage or debris. And you see him with his little trunk holding his white flag with the D on it. And he starts to wave it. And then it eventually falls and it breaks. It's like funny, but it's also like sad. That's like this Yankees season is right now. They're waving the white flag. And not only are they just trying to limp into whatever step this season, or I don't even want to say, put. I know we're not, I'm pretty confident. I'm confident at this rate, we will make the wild card game and we will have home field we're advantage the wild, the wild card, wild card. game. Come on. I'm I'm very confident in that. Renato's not very confident in that.
3: Yes, as, know, as of right talk, now. I'm talking to Renato here. There's, There's, there, is, there is next to no chance they miss the playoffs. Listen, I know the I know the
0: odds.
2: I've seen the numbers, okay?
3: Yeah. Until I see the X. Okay, until I see the X are clinched, Then I'll be excited. Honestly, the, the, the most disappointing I think the Yankees could be for the rest, rest of the season is if they don't get home field for the wildcard game. That would be awful. <laughs> let I just want to see the X.
2: Okay.
3: They it. they gotta be they gotta be home for that wild card game. I'm just saying. If they're not pack it in. It's gonna be tough going out to Oakland. Because okay. you guys oh, that, can't yeah. been out
0: there. That's oh. gonna be that's gonna be and that's what I'm really hoping. That what this team is doing is they're resting up to the point of where they have to win baseball games. They will be ready to win those baseball games. Because if they don't do that, and if they don't produce, they mentioned this on Talking Yanks, like obviously this is kind of like we just have to wait and see what's going to happen with this kind of approach, but if it doesn't work out and it ends in utter misery, then they look like absolute idiots. Mm -hmm. Mm. Renato mentioned it before, how the Red Sox, they know how to win games. They know how to put themselves in the best position to win baseball games, and that's by even I mean seven nothing. That may be a little bit overkill, but being prepared for anything to happen, having Kimbrel warmed up. That's happened a few, That happened on that uh one of the games in national television. That Sunday night baseball game where they had Kimbrel warm up. Mm-hmm. And you wanted to, it, at the time it was kind of like a decision where ki- they had Kimbrel warm up the Red Sox where they were playing the Yankees. It was like why do they have Kimbrel warming up? This game's in hand, and lo and behold, he had to come in. They put themselves in the best positions to win baseball games, but at the same time, it's not this conservative approach. They are, in my opinion, balls to the wall. They're trying to go out there and win every game. Will that work out for them? Who knows? October's not here. September's not here.
3: But the Red Sox are so setting themselves up for disappointment. You you just see them peaking now. I, I see this every year. The best team. I know the Red Sox are especially good, but look at the Mariners back, you know, in their season. I don't know. I just have I have next to no belief in the Red Sox. Believe it or not, no belief. No, I I just I just don't see it. I mean, it's really weird to say because they're they're one of the best teams ever this year. But I nothing about them actually scares me, except for (laughs) Kimbrel. I think Kimbrel's a dominant player, but I. I don't know. I mean, Mookie Betts is great. J.D. Martinez is great. But it's not like David Ortiz and Manny Ramirez. And I don't know. It's not that those big personalities that some of those past Red Sox teams have had. Yeah, it's just an aside. For,
0: and but that. O- yeah, and, and overall, now this is kind of like where I wanted to go with this. And Brett, you kind of transitioned that. Awesome. The mentality you have during this regular season and the mentality that you need to have in the postseason. To do whatever it takes to win, going from conservative and resourceful to making guys and players expendable. That's kind of like the difference between regular season baseball and postseason baseball. Yeah. Is this a switch that can be flipped from game 162 and then forward? Or is this a switch that you kind of need to set the tone right now and play as if you need to win these games right
3: now? I mean, we're not in the month of April. We're not it's in the month of April I'm saying this. Wrong. It's a switch that can be thrown. I really do. They're different seasons. The postseason and the regular season are completely different. I you know, you mm-hmm. see it time and time again. So I, I I'm confident that that the Yankees have the ability to do that.
0: Now, well, Renato, Renato, we mentioned something last episode about you asked a really good question on what's the difference between this year's team and last year's team. And one of the things that they talked about in R2 C2 is Guys knowing their role. And then what was the... I, I, I'm i the one that answered your question. I think I answered it right. What was the answer to our question last episode? So R2C2 basically said that everybody knew their role. Todd Frazier was just on one of the newest episodes of R2C2. And he said everybody knew their role. There's a part of that to analyze. And then also Renato and I talked about last week with the difference between this year's team and last year's team. And I believe the answer was I could be wrong. Please at me on Twitter and tell me that you're wrong and you don't even remember what you said a week ago. Please at me on Twitter and talk shit to me. I would love it. Nobody's ever talked shit to me on Twitter before. That's actually not don't true. do beg for it. You have to earn it. That's, oh, that is true. That's actually not true. Somebody actually has talked in shit to me about um, I said that Michael K is much better than Mike Francesa and people like went after me and I loved it anyway. Because uh, you're wrong. Oh,
2: don't even start
0: with me, Mike. Michael K. Michael K. is annoying, but Mike Francesa is just a man sitting in front of a microphone. Basically, me—a man sitting in front of a microphone, speaking to people every day for three hours—and he's—that's
3: it. That that—that's what they all are. Doesn't matter how great of a radio host or whatever you are. That's what they all are. But I don't know. like,
0: he's such a tyrant.
3: That's that's awesome about him.
0: No. All right. Anyway, no, we're not talking about this. Also, I, I can have a whole podcast on sports radio, but um, cohesiveness, chemistry, togetherness. Sure. Those words, words, if you believe in them. um, Is that something, does that all just come together? I really don't feel like it just comes together after the game, after you end the 162nd game and after you end the regular season, and then you can just, okay, flip the switch. It's time for the postseason. I feel like last year's Yankee team, the team that was one game away from the World Series, they had more of a spark to them even during
3: the regular season. Hold on, though. Hold on. No, no, no. Let me get my point out, and then you can do it. I thought Joe Girardi was ruining the locker room. Every, all the players hated him. You know, there was no chance a team like that could almost make it to the World Series despite no expectations. Oh, wait, hold on a sec. They did. You know, you guys did not appreciate Joe Girardi.
2: (laughs) Hey, bruh. Yeah. I 100% agree with you. Okay. Is that what you're going to say? No. My point is, (laughs) remember, um, this Yankee team was down 2-0 to Cleveland. Cleveland, yo. Just remember that. Right, we were down 2 0 to Cleveland, and we we're about to get eliminated. But they rallied back, they they didn't give up, they rallied back, won the series. They were down 2 0 against Houston, they came back almost, almost won that series, but I lost in seven. So, again, Brett's right. The switch could be flipped on any point. I mean, in the postseason, it's a different, 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 um. D- different era, it's different, different season. Just it, it's it's like it's like in in football in the playoffs, everything just slips. In hockey, the same way since the second season playoffs. But um, this Yankee team is going to need I, Pete, need Judge, Sanchez, and Didi in the playoffs. If not, it's a kiss it goodbye.
3: Yeah, well, last time you guys relied on somebody named Sanchez didn't work out so well. So different sport. I think I think Justin was losing his mind in the background. Uh, he was like, I, "Are you sick or something?" Or I had to mute it.
0: I would, took a sip of water and went down the wrong pipe. Oh my god!
3: Oh, I thought you were like freaking out what I was saying. No,
0: I, I was dying. Oh my god! I probably, I, I you probably, like, the mic probably like picked up me like coughing for like two
3: seconds. No, I didn't hear anything. So uh,
0: nope. You 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 never hear anything, but this microphone just picks everything up. And while I'm editing, it's like, Oh, I can't believe you heard that. All right. Anyway. Um, so that's kind of like a, let's wait and see how this works out. Because again, if this punting talking Yanks term right there, punting baseball games, waving the white flag on certain baseball games, if that's an approach that is going to work out in the long run. Obviously, we're not. In the long run is October and in, in the in the postseason, we're not there yet. If that's something that's going to work, then you want to know what Yankees front office? They're geniuses. They're basically saying, you want to know what? We're thirty. We're thirty games above five hundred. The Red Sox are on a historic pace, and there's nothing that we can do about it. But what sucks is that, like I said. The fans put so much into it financially and emotionally, they put so much into it. I, like I said, I've been to 17 Yankee games this year. Wow. I would I would like to know that if I'm going to be so invested in something, if you're not, if you're gonna go half ass at it. And this isn't really like I know Renato's still very stuck up on Boone. I've kind of my anger is kind of like jumped right over Boone, and it's just going right to the front office and cashman because this is he, Boone's hands are kind of like tied in terms of like what he can do. If this is the team's approach of, you know, punting games, waving the white flag, whatever term you kind of want to use. If this is the team's approach, that's not Boone's fault. All right. So you, you could say fine. The stuff
2: that the front office does is now Boone can't do anything about, right? But what about the stuff that you can do? Like, like during the games that we've lost this year, the majority of these games were close until Boone said, "Okay, white flag. Let's put in the worst guys in the bullpen possible. Let's put in the worst guys in the lineup possible. We're, we're, we're gonna lose this game. Put the whole bunch in. Let's give everybody day off. Like, come on. In April and May, fine, but we're, we're almost in September now. Right. Like, we we can't afford losses." You got to try your
0: best every day from now to the end of the season. That's it. Now, I think we, we, we kind of can afford some losses. Like, I, the intro to this episode, the Yankees have won four of their last five games. And overall, like, well, we're going to get to this in our top five moments, but we talked about doing the little things of baseball, right? At least in those three games where they swept the Blue Jays, they've, they have quality at-bats. They had good at bats. They swung the ball well. You know, they obviously they scored what? Like, how many runs did they score in three games? And obviously, you know, good things are going to happen when you score runs. You're going to win baseball games. So, a lot of those things that we talked about in the Rays episode of those little things to do, they did it. They fielded the ball well. But it's like, It's this, this, it, the approach, and I, and I get you, not like you can kind of afford to lose these games, but when you do, it's just like you're asking yourself, why? Like, why? What, what's this long term? I mean, obviously, the long term benefit and the long term goal is the World Series, but is this approach the one that's really going to get us there? Brett, why don't you answer this question? Because then, Brett, it's eight o'clock and it's mm. a, Thursday night. That means the Philadelphia Eagles are playing a preseason game. Brett wants to go watch them. So Brett, give yes. us your give us your opinion on that question, and then give your little outro, and then we'll we'll okay, kick, we'll, we'll kick we'll, you
3: out. First of all, restate your question.
0: Restate my question. Yeah, I forgot. I honestly forgot what the question was.
3: Well, okay. I'm I'm just I'm just gonna say <laughs> that podcasting today just jeez
0: that no, that that was good podcasting. That was good podcasting. That I forgot what my question was.
3: Yeah. Well. I'm going to say you, you guys might be surprised. Once the Yankees get healthy, they get to the postseason, assuming they get that home wild card game. And hell, I mean, this season isn't, isn't over yet. I'm not saying it's impossible for the Yankees to come back. And, and they've come back before against the Red Sox, as you guys know. Obviously, this Red Sox team looks different. But that's why you play the games. I mean, the, the Yankees could catch fire. I mean, they're playing well right now. So I don't think you guys have much to be worried about uh, personally. And it's a lot better. The way the way you guys lose games is a lot better than the way my favorite team, the Phillies, loses games. You guys, if, if, if the Yankees were losing games like the Phillies lose games, you guys would be absolutely losing your minds. Your, your minds would be melting, coming out your ears and dripping down and it, it, it it's just not good. I mean, the Phillies should have more wins than they do. A lot more wins. But that's that's just my personal outro here. You know, I had to get the Phillies in there. By the way, Nola pitched eight shutout innings today against the Nationals, getting us a win there in that National series against Scherzer. Go Nola. Um, he's a bona fide ace. I think you guys know that. Go Nola. Yeah. 15-3, and 2.13 ERA. Consider it for the Cy Young. I know there's the Grom. I know there's Scherzer. There's too many at the Grom and six year olds. He'll be easily. <laughs> yeah. I know. 15 and 3, three, two one three ERA wins, has won a lot of Cy Youngs. <laughs> and this year is going to be like dirt. <laughs> yeah, I mean, second or third. But I, I, I think maybe you guys have talked about this, but do our wins. I'll, I'll, I'll leave you this question Do wins matter? Eight and seven or eight and eight is actually to Grom's record now. Do you think a 500 record can win a Cy Young? In this case, yes. With that 1.7 ERA, that, that's the reason. It's because of might Literally, he's on. If he's on the Yankees, he he have, he have like 25 wins already. Yeah, he'll he'd have, a, he'd have he'd have about 20 wins. You're probably right.
2: If he has like 17 wins, he's, he'll get like 20, 20, 20 plus wins easily.
3: The well, to... Groms not gonna get seventeen wins.
2: No, I'm saying, I'm saying, if, if, if the winners have seventeen wins, oh, at three,
3: okay, got you. Performances be had so far. Yeah.
2: So I think, I think he would be a twenty-game winner in any other, any other team besides the Mets, but the Mets suck. So.
3: All right, I'll uh, leave you guys to it. Thanks for Good inviting bad. me on. Good night, bro. Good, Good night, bad. bro.
0: Now, I'm, what I wanted to kind of tell Brett before he left is that I think Aaron Nola should actually be considered for NL MVP because most, MVP. Valuable, player, most valuable player.
1: MVP is smoking.
0: But Cy Young, Cy Young is, that doesn't imply like most valuable player. That just means like the best pitcher and Jacob deGrom should easily win that. So Nola should get a few votes. I think Nola should maybe get a vote for N L M V P. Maybe I mean, not win it. but it one. Yeah. I, I would I would vote for him. All right, anyway. Um let's move on. Renato. You want to hear Bernardo. something interesting? What's your what's something
2: interesting? So ESPN is the Cy Young predictor category, okay? It's, it's it's apparently it's a method, right? That that deals with like Cy Young, including wins and losses and all that stuff. Okay. Did you get the grab is seventh on this list.
0: Seventh. What's a, it? what's a name what's a name on that list sh- that shouldn't be in front of him um how about Zach Grinky? he's having a good year though
2: John Lester
0: he's having a good year
2: Miles Mikolas
0: I have no idea who that is
2: St. Louis 13-3 for 2.8 right?
0: no idea they clearly factor in wins and losses a lot more than they're saying that they do in that algorithm, so all right. so all right, anyway, before we get to your top five moments, there's one thing that I want to bring up that's probably not going to be addressed in your top five moments, but another problem I have with the waving the white flag approach, along with I'm a baseball fan, I go to Yankee games, I watch them on hey, t v. I pay money to. Bernardo goes to Yankee game. Boker goes to Yankee game. We all go to Yankee games. We all put a lot of money out. Um, you, know, you watch on TV. You spend more money and you're emotionally invested. A lot of, a lot of do a lot of that. You know. So, this approach is to keep everyone healthy, right? To keep everyone healthy and keep everyone fresh.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: But they went against their own philosophy with the Rauldus Chapman. They did. They one hundred percent did. For months and months, we've known that Chapman has had tendonitis in his left knee, and for so months and months, Justin, I'm gonna give you a
2: quote on this one: since he got hurt in the mega, you make put him able as well, rest, him, rest, him,
0: rest. Him. I'm saying, so it goes against every single thing that this team has stood for. And this front management and Aaron Boone stood for day one. They get more excited over putting guys on the 10-day DL and resting guys than they do winning a baseball game. Well, if, if to be fair,
2: they did rest Chapman days, a lot of days.
0: Well, they, they do, but why not put him on the DL and then he can just be – and then you can call somebody up to be available. Right. Like, and this, solve the situation now. That's what I said. Sol- I said this as soon as this happened with the- Aroldis Chapman. This isn't Sonny Gray. This isn't Chad Green. This isn't uh, Neil Walker. This is Aroldis Chapman, the Yankee closer. How much money are we paying him? Solve-, no? Solve the situation now, and now meaning months ago. Put him on the 10-day DL. Even if it isn't totally healed, You're sitting him for 10 days, and he's doing whatever he needs to do privately. But again, for months, they risked, and this is the second time in this summer that they've thrown him out there, and they've had to take him out of a baseball game because his knee was bothering him. So, you again, the Yankees look stupid. This is a situation where the Yankees look stupid. The fact that they this is their approach with almost every single player— they love putting guys on the 10-day deal. Why is CC Sabathi on the 10-day deal? Don't tell me that his knee is, is, is acting up. It's not. I can tell you why. They're doing it because of rest. No. Kurzom Shah. The
2: effects on the Kurismsha. But is that but he
0: gets that every month anyway. No, that's, that's the effects of
2: that. They want to give him an additional additional rest. I buy that.
0: Right. So it's for rest. But I'm saying that don't tell me that his knee is bothering him. Any Probably. more than it usually is. So they put them on the 10-day DL. They got excited when they were able to do that. That's a win. That's a big get win. <laughs> yeah, they get more excited when they can rest players and, <laughs> and put them on the 10-day DL compared to actually winning baseball games. They do. <laughs> That's so, true. so you look like an idiot. You look <laughs> like idiots when Chapman is now hurt towards the end of the freaking season compared to just taking care of this situation when you could have just taken care of it earlier now justin let's just say he's put on the 10 day dl his knee is still bothering him when he comes off the dl okay and now he's on the now he would be back on the 10 day dl if his knee was bothering him again oh so now you look so now you look stupid all right well then that's hindsight is 2020 i'm just saying that this is the yankees approach this is the blueprint to their season they look like idiots on this one
2: I 100 percent agree. I mean this 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 whole situation is just nightmare, you know?
0: It, it it really isn't like it really isn't a nightmare. It will be a nightmare if we lose the wild card game. It it will be a nightmare. I'm, if, get, I'm getting that feeling right now, my friend. You know that. I mean, let's let's really not get that feeling because the Yankees have won four out of their last five games and there should be five out of five. I coulda, shoulda, woulda, but hey, that's the approach. That's the formula.
1: The I analytics. Don't the formulas. We're
0: six and four in our last ten games. Exactly. Who like you know? You're doing. We're doing what we have to do to get into the playoffs. So that's what this team's approach is right now. I just wish that they were more upfront with us. But anyway. Don't you remember they, the you we went to? What was that? The, the the game against the Razor we went to? Oh, I don't I don't want to talk about that anymore. We we had a whole episode where we talked about that. I don't right. even I want to talk. Not about see, but that, that's part of the process I'm talking about. Right. Right. So, let's play Devil's Advocate a little bit and then we will get into Renato's top 5 moments and then we'll bump on out of here. We're going to get more positive. This is going to be more positive. All right. So, the following Yankee lineup has only started Three games together the entire year. The last time was June fifteenth. This tweet is from Keith. You can follow him on Twitter at monotonefin. Now swap the DH and the right field roles for Judge and Sanchez. When I, I'm sorry, for Judge and Stanton, and the total game total is six. So I'm going to read you a lineup. At catcher, now this isn't a lineup. This is just like position and then, okay. At catcher, Gary Sanchez, first base, Greg Bird, second, Gleyber Torres, third, Miguel Andujar, shortstop, Didi, left field, Gardner, center, Aaron Hicks, right field, Aaron Judge, and the D.H. Stanton. That lineup, or those nine players, have only been together for a total of six games this year. Their record is five and one in those six games. Isn't that nuts? Like we made that lineup in our heads in the month of March and April, basically the day after we got John Carlo. Like we were making that lineup in our heads, and if you were to tell me at this point in the season that that lineup would only be together for six games, and it's been over. Well, I don't even know I, what it's been over. What like a hundred and five hundred and ten hundred and twenty 10, 120 games. Mm-hmm. I would six, six baseball games that lineup has been together. Granted doesn't help that the Yankees have this conservative approach where they want to rest everybody and their mothers, but also the injuries have had a ton of influence on how the front office has operated. But what's ironic is that the most conservative team in baseball has also had all these problems with injuries. So you know, what, what are you fighting? Like what are the Yankees fighting with this conservative approach? If these injuries are going to happen anyway, what are you fighting? So you know, and again, these, these, ans- the, these answers to these questions can't be solved now. So Renato, do you have any final thoughts until we get to your top five moments of the week, and then we got happy, we get really happy again? So my my final
2: thoughts is this. Aaron Boone in the front office, right? They they need to find a way to get this team rolling. I mean, yes, we have a lot of injuries, but as I always say, injuries are no excuses. It's part of the game. It happens. You got four games coming up against the Orioles. You got the White Sox at home, and then the Tigers at home. If you do not win, all right, Justin, remember, I guarantee the sweep of Toronto. Remember that? Guaranteed. Sweep. And what happened? Got it done. They got it done. They listened to me. Let's see if they listened to me again. I'm going to go two for two here. The Yankees are going to win eight out of ten games. Okay, You want to talk about positivity? I'm saying we're winning eight out of ten. Take three out of four from the Orioles, sweep the White Sox, and take two out of three from the Tigers.
0: But what's going to be really unfortunate about winning eight out of those ten games is that there's probably I think going my to be... my thought, my thought, my thought. It's actually 11 games. So I'll make it eight out, of 11, eight out of okay. 11. So what's really going to be unfortunate about winning eight out of those eleven, and that's kind of that sentence out of my mouth, I kind of want to vomit because I'm complaining about winning eight <laughs> out of eleven games, but but, <laughs> three but state of the evil empire right now is that those three losses that let's just say if the Yankees do win eight out of eleven, those three losses are probably going to be games that the Yankees intentionally probably want to lose because they want <laughs> to rest people. <laughs> and Justin, you know what's the best part about this series? The Marlins after, series? I know
2: after, after the 11 games. Okay. Well, it's it's a tough road trip. It's the biggest, yeah. probably the biggest. And after that, they're series. going on the biggest road trip of the year.
0: At right. Oakland, at Seattle, and then at Minnesota. That's tough. I mean, th- that's what I'm honestly hoping that the Yankees are just resting for and they're waiting for. They're And they're waiting to say, Look, we have to win these baseball games, and then we're setting ourselves up for good for a good postseason. That's what I'm honestly hoping for and praying for. It that that's the target, that's the time where we can say it's go time. Mm-hmm. Renato, your top five Yankee moments of the
2: week, and we're gonna go with number five. All right, start with number five: the bullpen. Clutch against the Marlins. This is the first game of the series against the Marlins on Tuesday, the 21st. And, you know, that's, that's before you even go there, Talk about Masahiro Tanaka-san? Tanaka has been pitching beautifully.
0: You agree, Justin? Stupid National League. He is at like 80 pitches or something like that they after six innings. Right. six innings. Six innings. And because of the stupid National League, they had a pinch hit for him. Just so we could – what? So Shane Robinson or Luke Voigt can Luke come off the you? freaking bench? Oh, guess, how exciting. How exciting. Yeah. Luke Voigt's coming in the game. Yay, and then Tanaka goes out. Justin,
2: Justin, Justin, and guess what Luke Voigt does? Guess what he does. What did he do? He probably strikes out.
0: <laughs> yay, yay. So Tanaka, one of the best pitchers on the Yankees, gets to come out. So we can beat Luke Voit. Yay. Hooray! So exciting! Jesus! <laughs> yeah. that, that,
2: that, that is great. Shane Robinson,
0: <laughs> Kyle Higashioka.
1: Yes, Woo! the all-
0: Yes, the okay. All- <laughs> Unbelievable! <laughs> double switch. The double switch. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> right, but really, but really, how how exciting! I mean, I I will admit that two to one victory. How excruciating that game was! Oh my god!
1: It was it was ago.
0: it was probably one of the most exciting baseball games of the season.
2: And you know what's the funny part about that game, Justin? What? Somehow, some way, the Marlins Blue bases loaded, with no outs, and one out, and two innings. In, in the ninth and the 11th inning, like, how do you do that? You now score one run for bases loaded. I had no, absolutely no, I've seen it happen to so had absolutely no idea. No idea with AJ Cole, too. Based on that, I, I, I that, that was a gift from God. Thank you, not by Santa Thank you. So, so in so, the ninth I, inning,
0: Chad Green, Chad Green, two walks. First and third, or it's he allowed two walks and one hit total in the inning.
2: Right.
0: So it probably was a hit and then a walk. So then you have first and third. It,
1: it was, it was a no walk. One out.
0: It was a walk. Then a hit. First and third, no out. Got the strike, yo. Then walk the next guy. Get the bases loaded, one out. Bases loaded, one out. I was in my car listening to John and Susan, and I've been saying this all year. Renato disagrees with me. Boker does not like listening to Yankee games in the car. So what he does is, if, is he, if he's just not home, then he just doesn't follow at all. He's a, he's a dweeb. That's Dweeb. He's, he's a dweeb. So he doesn't relieve in listening to baseball on the radio. But really, baseball was meant to be listened to on the radio. It really wasn't meant to be watched on the television. That's my take. John Michael K said that, not me. Um, neither here nor there. I was I'm driving home from my bowling league on Tuesday. I was screaming in my car. I was so pumped up. How can, you know? How can you not think that you're about to lose that game? I mean, how can you not think that That's you're about?
1: Game. <laughs> uh, you know,
0: how can you not think? But Chad Green, how big is that for Chad Green though? That's pretty big. Like just that. for like him personally, like he needed being used, it. being used as this as the super utility guy last year, and then him coming on this year, and honestly, like a lot of these guys on this Yankee team last. You know, this is one of the things that Todd Frazier said on R two C two is that everybody knew their role. You don't really know your role if you're some of these guys in this Yankee bullpen. I said everybody besides Dylan Betances, because Dylan Betan, Dylan and, Patances, and, Patances, and, and our oldest Chapman, you know, because they're the eighth and ninth inning guys. Everybody else is kind of like fluid, um, which is kind of it's it's good. I guess it's good. You know, it's not like Binder Joe. Neither here nor there. That's big for Chad Green. Comes into the ninth inning, gets in that situation, and then works his way out of it. I was pumped up, pumped, yelling, yelling, and screaming in my car like a lunatic. So then it happens
2: again in the 11th inning, and of course, you know Aaron Boone's favorite prerogative is to use AJ Cole, right? In a in a close game, let's, let's use AJ Cole. I mean, you know, granted we, we had nobody else really besides Canley, which we use we would happen to use later in that that game, and Sonny Gray, but like you can't let the other guys go two innings, like. Cole, Cole is in case of emergency long relief. That's what Cole is. You get, do you remember Sergio Mitre from two thousand nine? Sergio, Sergio Mitre,
3: the no, guy from no, He no,
2: was, no, no. he was the AJ Cole of that team. Girardi would consistently use him out of the bullpen for long stretches of time, and then Cole's gets. I'm like Girardi, what are you doing? Like, don't not bring long-believers unless you really need some, some length. That's that's all they're there
0: for. That's it. This is where Adam Warren would come in handy. But anyway, what does AJ Cole do? <laughs> he puts the bases loaded,
2: Justin. All right? Bases loaded. Nobody out in the 11th inning. Nobody out. You're, game thinking, over. Game over. You're thinking game, game over. you think game over. It's AJ Cole. It's over. No, so... Fielder's choice, Glaybentroll's home for first down, strikes out JT Riddle, and then fouled out to Anderhar. Like, he gets out of it. How? How'd he get out of it?
0: It really sucks to be the Marlins. They're horrible. It, like, I mean, AJ Cole worked his way to the bottom of the order, bottom of that lineup. How bad is that? I mean, that's, that's bad. Mm hmm. To do it not once. Have a, have the, the winning run on third. And if you get that runner home. Less than two outs. Third. No, less than two outs. Zero outs. No, I'm saying, I'm saying the ninth inning one out. Yeah, the ninth. Well, no. They had the runner at third with no one out. Uh-huh. They had the runner at third with no one out in the ninth inning. And then again with A.J. Cole on the mound. It, that bad. But, it, it, like, again, it's like it gets you – Pumped up as a Yankee fan, and I was praying. I was like, "Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you." Now they had to. They absolutely had to win the game. That the bottom of that inning, like it. I thought that they were going to do it after Chad Green did it. I'm like, okay, if that's not like the impetus to get this freaking offense to score run and and try to win this game, I don't know right. what would be. But then AJ Cole did it again, and I'm like, you know, obviously, the the, yeah. It's so thank God. If we lost that baseball game after Chad Green and AJ Cole did that twice. Uh, give up. I think yeah, people would have lost their minds. But so you know, that, it, it continued it continued a, a winning streak and So then we, we had base loaded one out, same thing as the Marlins had in the
2: ninth inning, and, and as Josie McFly says, the sack fly is underrated. But you will find out why that is in that next moment of the week. But after that happens, then you had a role to Chapman coming in. And what does he do, Justin?
0: As we alluded to before, he said, I ain't having any of this shit today.
2: He, he walked the first guy, and then he's like, I'm not, I'm, not <laughs> I'm not having any of it. And he got out. So Tommy Kaling... Comes in a safe situation. The last resort, Tommy Canley, pitched the pitched the game before. Pitched actually, played two games, I believe. Um, but he, I mean, Tommy Tommy Super Thighs gets it done.
0: He's a psychopath.
2: Yeah. Psychopath Get the first two guys out, and then and then Higashioka was like, no, no, no. I'm getting this last day. You ain't getting no I'm getting the last time Gets
0: Galloway stealing. To end the game. That was I've. I've probably watched that throw. It, first of all, what is the runner doing? Like, what are the Marlins doing when so you have you the winning? Running? You have the winning run on first,
1: two I outs. That win
0: the winning one the tying run first. What was that? Tying run runner first. Winning one at the plate. Time. Oh, winning run at the plate. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's right because we were up one. Bad podcasting. So you have the tying run at the plate. Not yeah. winning run at the plate. Tying run at first base. Thank you. That's the situation. Why are you sending Now, that's even worse. Why it's are you no. sending the runner in that? If Why- well, you better make it. Two outs, well, you better make it. I get it. It's Higgy, and everybody and their mothers have been running on the Yankee catchers who aren't named Gary Sanchez lately. But this play, this play was really, was a really funny, but really good play. Higgy fields the ball. He fires it. Almost nails, no almost nails Tommy Canely in the face so he ducks down and then what neil walker has to do is yes the number one he has to find the baseball after he probably can't see it for about a millisecond because tommy Kainley doesn't know what's happening he's probably thinking he he probably thought there's no way that this runner's on the move and then he's like oh crap that runner's on the move and then he ducked down for his life so then neil walker has to see the ball higgy short hops it he hops it Perfectly to Walker's glove, but still the throw doesn't make it. Good throw, but it pops right back up to Neil Walker's glove. Walker has to field it, make the tag. It was a beautiful play by everyone involved, including Tommy Canley for not getting nailed in the face and pers- and perceivably ending his life. So what a bull- way to end bull- the game!
2: Right, bullpen with six shut endings, Justin. Pretty impressive. Very. What's number four? Number four, J.A. Hap, once again, solid as usual. And your boy, Greg Bird, hits a grand slam. So that happened in the Sunday game in which the Yankees were down early thanks to a Toronto homer of of in the first inning. But what did the Yankees do after that, Justin? What did they do? They scored six runs, of course, including... A Miggy single, a Didi single, and then it is high, it is far, and it's gone. A grand slam. Greg Bird. It's bye-bye, Birdie. So six runs, Justin, in the first inning. At that point, six-one, you think, oh, okay, Hap got this, right? Hap's got it. He's got it. Five, five, five and a third innings, seven hits, two runs, eight Ks, 100-feet pitches. I mean, Hap and even Lynn, too, have been gotten into the Yankees. They, they've stabilized this rotation tremendously, and, and I thank Cashman for getting those two guys. I wasn't big on either of them coming into into these trades. I wasn't too big on them, but Hap especially has pitched well at Yankee Stadium so far.
0: Ask Sonny Gray about how it is to pitch at Yankee Stadium.
1: He know he knows. We've seen them.
0: But yeah, I mean, he did those, pitch two innings in that game. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Pitch.
0: Those two players, uh, Lynn and Hap, have been the best pitchers on the Yankees ever since they've been acquired. And did you see when Hap gave up the home run to Morales in the sixth inning? Did you see how mad how Jim mad was that he minutes. was he was screaming at himself? No really no, no glove over the mouth he was like really getting into it i i i think it was with himself i don't think it, w- it was with like with any like umpire or anything but dude was just like pissed and it's like at this point he has like however many of a run lead i mean he said he has a huge lead
2: He's a four run lead
0: yeah, yeah yeah at that at that point he it was 6-2 and then the Yankees scored four runs in the bottom of the six. But at that point, he still had a four-run lead. He was outwardly, unusually pissed at himself.
2: And I and, like that. I like that.
0: You know, and, it, and it's, like, tough because, like, guys like Greg Bird, now it's going to be – this is this is going to be tough, too, because Greg Bird hits his second grand slam of the year, and this is probably going to turn into a Greg Bird has not been really playing that well Conversation, even though he hit a grand slam and that was a huge moment for him. Um This, it's
2: but then after the grand slam, you know what he does?
0: Was he strike out?
2: No, no. I'm saying after the grand slam that he hits, right? Right. He goes. I'm gonna get you a stat. You you don't like the stat, Justin? You know me and me and my stats are pretty good, right? Hmm. After that grand slam, he is now oh through his last
0: 13 yeah i mean i i i have his stats up too cuz i knew that we were going to talk about this last seven games O seven four average wait what is his average 074
2: oh my god and his really
0: is on base percentage is a 167 with the oh slugging oh my goodness gracious oh
2: slug, my god
0: slugging percentage of
2: 296 what what, what what's his um What's that study we always talk about? OPS. OPS. What's OPS?
0: I don't even want to find out what his OPS is. No, I I want
2: to find out his OPS thing.
0: His OPS for this year is what? Is a 689, and that's Mm -hmm. abysmal. Like, 650 is bad, and 700 is like below average, I'm pretty sure. 689, that's bad. Um, You know, his OBP isn't even above 300, which is bad. You know, the average 200, you know, you know, you can even honestly live with the average being around like 210, but he's just, the dude's just not hitting homers and he's not driving home runs Mm -hmm. and he's not getting on base. So when you don't do any of that, you know, the OPS and the slugging percentage is going to be extremely, extremely low. Um, So I, what I thought was going to be a real turn-it-around moment for Greg Bird, I mean, especially since he hit that grand slam off of a lefty. Justin, what's his OPS right now? His OPS? Yeah. For 2018, Greg Bird's OPS is a 689.
2: That's slightly better than to share his last year's Yankee. Let's put that in perspective for you. You're talking about... A young guy like Greg Bird averaging just a little high OPS than a guy retiring from the Yankees. Saying something, huh?
0: Yeah, and it hasn't been good. And I've been saying that you kind of you, you kind of need to give Greg Bird time. Honestly, when Didi comes back, you know, Glaber's back and healthy. Anduhar's at third base. He hasn't, you know, he's been working with A-Rod, and you really hope and pray at this point that his defense gets better. Mm-hmm. Neil Walker has to be the everyday first baseman once DD comes back. I mean, I, I think we you, you have
2: absolutely it. no choice but to put Neil Walker first base. I mean, Greg Bird right now is not even a platoon player, to be honest with you. But I know the yeah. Yankees want to still use him as a platoon player, but to me, no. I mean,
0: how can he be a platoon player when Neil Walker hits righties better than he does lefties? So, obviously, when there's a righty on the mound, and Neil Walker's fresh, you're going to play Neil Walker because he hits righties better than he does lefties. And because Greg Bird is a lefty and you don't like the lefty-lefty matchup and you like Neil Walker who's a switch hitter, you have to put Neil Walker in there. So it's not even going to be a platoon situation. It's going to be if Neil Walker needs rest or if they need to put Neil Walker either at second base or third base, that's the only time that that Greg Bird's going to play when Didi Gregorius gets back will they do that i don't know but no. honestly right now that's the move that needs to happen That's really is the move he's played 72 games this year and you know it's it's tough it really is tough like, like
2: it's, it's it's game bad it's 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 game bad
0: you know what you really want to see out of greg bird they mentioned this on the the telecast you want to see just quality at-bats from Greg Bird, and really, that's that's Aaron Boone's MO. Quality at-bats, see pitches. The more pitches you see from a pitcher in an at-bat, the more likely and the more odds go towards the hitter. Greg Bird was late on 90-mile-per-hour fastballs in the Miami Marlins series. Late. I mean, his approach has been looking very very bad. He had an RBI during the Marlins series, I believe. But the RBI was came up as a rookie in 2015.
2: He was much better than this. Oh, absolutely. Actually, his stats at 46 games, Justin. His home runs are the same, four less RBIs, but a way higher batting average and OPS.
0: Right. He had an RBI during the Toronto series and it was a Ground ball that was hit like right up right up the middle of the field a weak very weak ground ball mm-hmm. and it was like a ha- it was like a half swing it was just like a, a fight it off swing he's not even like swinging the bat like fully with like power he's very he does legitimately look lost at the plate and you know I this may it may come to a point where you know I'm a big let the hitters swing the bat until he works out of a slump. You know, that's really what I think that Gary Sanchez needs. And I was calling for that before he was put on the DL with his injury. But this situation does look like where Greg Bird just needs time to do what he needs to do off of the baseball field. But honestly, out of necessity, we do need, I would rather see Greg Bird at the plate than, uh than Luke Voigt. So Look for you. I'm all for Greg Bird right now and trying to work out of the slump. But once Didi comes back, it's it, tough, tough, I, I tough won't, situation. It's, easy to say. Easy. it's a tough situation because you really want Greg Bird to do well. And the ceiling, and this is what I've been arguing with people on Twitter um, a little bit about Greg Bird. I'm, I'm saying the ceiling for Greg Bird in terms of how good he can be for this Yankee team. I'm not saying that Greg Bird's going to hit 280 and have an OBP of 370 and hit 35, 40 home runs. I'm saying how productive the guy can be for this Yankee team as someone who can hit in the 6-hole, maybe. I was a proponent of Greg Bird hitting in the 3-hole, but not anymore, obviously. He's a guy that can hit 6, 7-hole in your lineup, hit 30 home runs per year, and get on base. Try to get on base for guys maybe at the top of the order. You know, it, it, that can be the guy that we can have. That's the, that's the ceiling. That is the potential for Greg Bird. I'm not saying that he's going to be an all-star, but rooting for Greg Bird to do well is something that kind of needs to happen for Yankee fans because his ceiling is a lot higher than Neil Walker's ceiling. But... Mm-hmm. That that's just that's just my feel on Greg Bird. We we're gonna we're gonna move on. I hope he figures it out. Nice moment of the Grand Slam. I was so pumped for him. Thought that he that he was gonna turn around. Thought that was gonna be the kind of like the maybe kind of the the turning point for him. Has not been so far. All right. So at number three,
2: Seve solid start against the Jays. So Justin. How did Sully look in that game on Saturday?
0: I am on train, even though, like, small step for humanity. What's that phrase? One small step for humanity. One giant step for what? Mankind. Mankind. So, a lot of people are, I somebody who, I, I mean, I talk about John Boyle at the time on this podcast. He said it was a small, it was a small step. I've been feeling like Severino has been taking a lot of small steps lately. And um, I'm on team. I'm officially on team worry, not panic mode. I am on team worry for Luis Severino. N- n- inching near panic mode. I'm not panicking. I think you look better, actually. I mean, I get, you know, because ever since, you know, July, he had a. He had an ERA of 6.58 in the month of July. And then in the month of August, he's had a 5.4 ERA. So the ERA has gone better. Um, He's gone five and two-thirds, seven innings, four innings, five innings. He needs more length. We're missing the the length from Severino. Right, right. But when you're a strikeout pitcher like Severino is, and you rely on the swings and misses and – like, like J A Happ, he's a he's a ground ball pitcher.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Lance Lynn throws his fastball eighty eight percent of the time, which isn't that, isn't that crazy? They showed that on the telecast last night. Fastballs, cutters and eighty eight percent of the time for Lance Lynn, and this team loves guys who throw breaking balls. Anyway, um, those guys rely on putting the ball in play. Lance Lynn does strike a lot of, a lot of guys out because he has that's because he does have some swing and miss stuff, and his fastball gets up in velocity wise. Um, but Lancelin overall and Jay J Hap they both like to put balls in play so the, they can control they can control their pitch count a little bit more Severino not a lot of guys are going to be putting balls in play unless if they're over the middle of the plate then they're most likely going to be clobbered you know especially 98 mile an hour fastball if you leave that over the middle of the plate ball's going to travel far it's like when people make contact off a of Chapman sometimes mm-hmm. so he's had the location issue he's had the depth on the off speed pitches I'm kind of worried about that. You know, it's just, it's just not him. It really is just not him, and it's been happening for so long now, that I'm kind of, I'm, I'm on team hashtag team worry about Luis Severino. You know what, Justin? What?
2: If, if we have the wild card game tomorrow, who are you starting?
1: Hmm. Million dollar
2: question. Oh God. I got my
0: answer ready. So. I start either Hap or Tanaka. I would start Tanaka. I'll start Tanaka as well. Yeah. All right. So what have you what have you seen from Severino recently that I mean, has that has given you the indication that he's on the way up, as opposed to not necessarily going down and getting worse, but just staying like in this pit in this rut that he's been in. I mean, besides that sixth inning against
2: Toronto, right, when he gave up those runs, he, he, he looked like the old, like at least a little bit, he looked like he was getting the swings. Of, he got eight straight cuts. He was getting the swings and misses that he wasn't getting his previous starts. I mean, are they working maybe the way he's throwing the ball? Maybe that he's hiding the ball more? They're not seeing the pitch? Maybe. We don't know for sure. I'm very curious to see his start against um, Baltimore on Sunday. I'm very curious to see how he does
0: yeah i I am i am too i mean this this could be just an accumulation of teams just seeing him a lot i mean he's had starts against tampa bay where he's done where he had a really bad start against tampa bay and obviously they've seen the yankees a ton this year he had a bad start against kansas city where he went four and one third and this is going back to the month of july we've seen kansas city a lot this year um he had a all right start against the Red Sox. He had a good start against the White Sox. He, implode, he imploded against the Mets. That was what well, I was not expecting there. You know, so obviously, you know, the Mets haven't seen this a lot. And so that's, you know, so overall the month of August has gotten better for him. Um, But, you know, obviously they brought him out in that sixth inning and he had 90 some pitches. And, you know, you can blame Boone and you can blame the... No, the... I, I, at that point, 60 pitches, I mean, with, what the ninety ninety was something something it was high low nineties, yeah.
2: I mean with the lead with the lead they had, what was what was the score thing? And that was um
0: they had they had a, they had a multi run lead. They were they were comfortable. Yeah, they're, they're up eight nothing, right? Going to six. They were very comfortable, yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean give them a warning of confidence, you know. So try to see if you get something going. If not then you take them out, but and, I asked
0: as a one part that actually agreed with Boone on that. 8 nothing lead, no, no risk of bringing bull punches, yeah. I'll go one more. And he's your ace too. I mean, you know, uh-huh. you're still you're still approaching Luis Severino as if he's your ace of the staff. So, mm-hmm. of course not why not try to squeeze a few more outs out of him rather than, you know, if you're going to do it with Lance Lynn and, you know, yeah. some some other guys in the rotation like CC, sometime I mean, even though a lot of times fans this year have been calling for CC Sabathia to stay in games even though the analytics say that the third time around the lineup, teams are hitting like 400 380 off of him. So, it's complicated. It's touchy, but I mean, they had the lead and they tried to give him a boost of confidence. It just didn't work out. Um, so the line looks a little, the line looks a little bit more skewed, I guess, than his actual performance. So mm-hmm. Baltimore, and again, this is another team that we've seen a ton of. You, you it's it really it, it's so it's so frustrating that last year Baltimore was. When we would see Baltimore on the schedule, we would knew, we would know. Hey, uh, we're a few games behind the Red Sox. We're not. We're we're on a little bit of a losing streak. Oh, look, Baltimore's on the schedule. We can get excited for Baltimore. No matter who was on that baseball team this year, I get angry when I play the or I, when we play the Orioles. And you know what's the worst part, Justin? They're thirty seven and ninety. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they have like ten wins against us. <laughs> yeah, it's. I'm pretty sure you're you are not exaggerating when you say that they have 10 wins against us. And I feel like it's every other freaking week that we're playing them. Every other week, we're playing the Orioles.
1: <laughs>
0: like, I thought last series that we played against the Orioles, where like Sonny Gray imploded, I thought that was it. And now, no, we have more. And we have a doubleheader. Of course, we have a doubleheader against the Orioles. Of course, we do. All right. So, oh, by the way, by the way, I got the, I got the number for you.
2: What's the number? The the Yankees against the Orioles on six and six this year. Six and six? What was that? Yeah, six and
0: six. Oh, it, it feels like they've won 10 games. I definitely won. All right, we're moving on. Sevy, that's hey, hey, what that's the theme of this podcast. Let's just wait and see. So Luis Severino, we just have to wait and see. What's number two? You alluded it to a little earlier before. This podcast is going long. Miguel Enderhart's game winning sack fly.
2: Versus the Marlins on that same date, as when the bullpen was clutched for six shut innings, and that's because, as our good friend Josie McFly, add Josie McFly on Twitter, um, the sock fly is underrated. Yes, it is. And Miguel Anderhard's just clutch this year. I mean, I I love Miguel Andujar. This guy's gonna easily win Rookie of the Year. No question in my mind. That was gonna be my next question. He can easily win to clear. The, the I ever since this first game this year, Justin. I've told you about his stroke hitting. I love. I just love the way that guy mashes. It's violent. violent. I love the violence, man. Give me some more violence. love the violence. He he's batting almost three hundred, twenty homers, sixty six RBIs. You can't get better than that. Can't.
0: Last fifteen games, eighteen RBIs. He is. Oh. No, I don't have the OPS. On OBP of three sixty four, slugging seven twenty six in his last fifteen games. Wow, last seven games, eight RBIs. He's 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 an animal. And you want and you want to know and you want to know something. You know, in in the in the era of guys striking out, even though the I mean, what bothers me about Miguel Andujar, the only thing that bothers me is that he just doesn't take pitches and he doesn't walk. Only nineteen walks this year. Average, oh, average 310 OBP 323, but that's something that I think he can develop over time. And if he establishes more of an
1: Establishes more of an eye at the plate, I mean you're I honestly think you're talking about an MVP candidate in the making, but that's that's a hot take. Only three strikeouts in the last seven games, and he only has 80 on the season in 115 games. That's bizarre. Really is bizarre. And I'm sure he struck out. I mean, I'm sure he struck out a lot in the beginning of the year as he was seeing MLB professional pitching for the first time. Mm -hmm. That's still, he had only 80Ks. Yeah. I mean, that's in in the era of you you either walk, strike out, or hit a home run. You know, that's that's pretty darn impressive. Mm -hmm. So, number one,
2: it is Giancarlo. No, sir, whatever John Stewart says.
1: Stand producing in all four of the Yankee victories. Is this just are we seeing the
2: Giancarlo Stan of the MVP caliber from last year second half? Absolutely, absolutely. He hit he hit two homers against Toronto. He went a combined five for
1: eleven. Alright, right, almost almost five hundred average with. Three I mean, RBIs, I believe, or four RBIs Red that series. He, he was dominant. He
2: was dominant. And then in Miami, the one game they won, two six, a couple hits. I mean,
1: while Judge, Sanchez, and DD have been now, Stan and to Harp the two guys carrying this lamp right now. Alright, so I think, I think we're good. I think we're good too. That was your top five. In the top five. Moments of the week of the regime. Oh. What's the way to try it on the new? Oh, Jesus. Montefiore. That's a, not just named the Sunoco Broadcast Booth. The And we do live. All right, so that's it. We ran a little bit long tonight, but there was a lot to talk about and. There was a lot to be angry about. There's also a lot to be optimistic about. That's why I like this. Let's just get the negative things out of the way in the first part of the episode, and then we can focus on the ha- happy things and the positive things at the end of the episode. Because now I feel good. You feel good now, just I had I had a really bad moment there with uh, yelling about the National League. No, I, I, I think your moment was uh, the, the whole rant about um... what was that rant about the. Did... I was laughing. Before my top five. No, yeah, that was no the, the National League and the the, the, the the pitchers batting. Oh yeah. <laughs> that was great. Yeah. <laughs> and and the, the the positive of having pitchers back and then you pull them early and then you get to see Luke Lloyd. Like Luke Lloyd. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that was that was a moment that I had there. I can't wait to edit that and have everyone ear everyone's eardrums blown out. So sorry about that. But uh, that that is what's what Renato, closing statements. Like I like I said, Yankees need to win eight of the next eleven. Alright. Go to Baltimore, do you think? Come back home. I'm gonna see you guys on Mondays. Come back home. Um I'm gonna see hopefully Tanaka time, Tanaka San Monday. Um and let, let's just get some let's just get some positive thoughts. Let's I just not know, I don't want the positivity, Justin. Life. life. You want to see life. There was some life. You know, like the toe show. You know, the, the, the thumbs thumbs down. Like I mean, that, I mean you're you right. Like that's what this team needs. And they talked about that, like on the on a R two C two with Todd Frazier, that how they like rallied around the finger guns, and they especially yeah. rallied around the thumbs down. That's like what this when when Gary comes back, when Judge comes back, when Dee, Dee comes back, they need to find their thing. Because if they don't find their thing, we're not winning the World Series. They need to find. They need to start doing the finger guns more. So, somebody needs to do something in the crowd to get somebody's attention, and then they can make that their rally. That's the team needs the rally call. Like CC, CC says, it's it's corny as hell, but we love that shit. <laughs> and that's, that's, that's what that's, that's that's what this team needs. If this team finds that, they're set they So that's my final thoughts. All right. So that's going to do it. We're going to wrap up. We will see you whenever we see you. Go Yankees. Go Yankees. Go Yankees. Go Giants. Go Giants. Go Giants. Go Yankees. Go Yankees. Go Yankees. And always keep on bleeding books.